Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water. Each week on our podcast, we look at a passage of scripture to learn more about what it means and discover some things it might call us to do. In today's episode in Wisdom and Stature, we're looking at the story of the boy Jesus at the temple in Luke chapter 2 verses 41 through 52 and how it's never too late to grow in our relationship with God. In fact, we should never stop. Let's get started. So it's already 2023, and once again, time keeps flying by, exceeding the speed limit we've set in our own minds. I think the easiest marker of time for me is watching kids grow. Every time I see an old student of mine that I taught when they were maybe seven, and now they're driving and going off to college, what? It's always a surreal experience. My own kids are eight and four, and I honestly cannot tell you how quickly they became these ages from those baby years. And now I'm already panicking about how they'll fare once they hit the preteen years. God help us all. Well, speaking of kids and getting older and all that, our text for today, Luke chapter 2, is where we find the only account in scripture of what Jesus was like as a kid. Well, I say kid, but at 12, he was right on the cusp of being recognized as an adult, which according to Jewish custom happens at age 13. Verses 41 through 43 tell us what happened. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Now, before we get all judgmental on Joseph and Mary for losing their son, we have to understand that back in those days, they would often travel in large caravans, and then those caravans would be split into two groups, one with the men and the other with the women and children. Jesus, who was 12, was kind of in between boyhood and manhood, so he didn't quite fit into the women and children group or the men's group. So it's not difficult to imagine that each group thought Jesus was with the other. But once they discovered he was missing, they returned to Jerusalem and they began to search. And the text tells us that after three days, Jesus' parents found him in Jerusalem's temple courts deep in discussion with religious leaders. Those listening to the discourse were not only amazed at his level of comprehension, but the mere fact that he chose to use this lack of adult supervision to study scripture is further intriguing. Verses 48 through 49 describe what happened when Mary and Joseph finally found Jesus. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And the text tells us his parents did not understand what this meant. I mean, how could they? How were they to know at that moment that their 12-year-old son was already speaking of heavenly things and growing into his calling as the Messiah, the promised Savior? As certain as he was experiencing physiological and other forms of maturity, he was shifting his priorities from being with his earthly family to engaging in conversation and learning from God's words. 
But even with this shift, Jesus did not abandon his familial obligations. Verses 51 through 52 say, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. When Mary reflected on the situation, she treasured all these things in her heart. Now, in the moment, she didn't quite understand the significance of his actions, but over time, she would realize his journey, which was told to her way before he was born, had begun at that point. Her baby boy was a baby no longer. He was already stepping into the role of the Messiah. Now, maybe Mary saw something in Jesus that was a lot like herself. Her growth and willingness to follow God's calling at such a young age for her, too, made people around her feel uncomfortable, no doubt. But both she and her son Jesus would demonstrate growth despite what others thought of their timing. And in the case of Jesus, he continued to grow in both wisdom and stature, in relationship with God and with people. Now, although this is a story about how Jesus grew up, if we only see it as this one historical incident, we miss a lot. Mainly the fact that the ways in which Jesus grew should challenge us to do the same, to grow in wisdom and stature. Of the two, the one we tend to be more fixated on is the latter, stature. I mean, we pretty much stop growing in our early 20s or sooner, but generally we never tire of ways to alter our outward appearance, right? Of trying to get in shape, of coloring our graying hair, of trying to look more youthful overall. And beyond our physique and complexions, there's also the image and reputation we're trying to put out there too. We want to appear successful and put together. Now, I'm not saying these are all bad things and that we should stop putting effort into our self-maintenance, but I am trying to point out that while we tend to invest a lot into growth in this way, we often neglect the other way Jesus grew, wisdom. At the age of 12, Jesus demonstrated wisdom well beyond his years. Now, I don't know how many 12-year-olds you know, but as this is the age that they move from childhood to adolescence, it's a time when they're experiencing all sorts of changes, physically, emotionally, intellectually, socially, and spiritually. They're in a phase of self-discovery, of challenging authority, and questioning the preset rules and conventions given to them. And as they mature, their inquiry and reasoning will become more sophisticated, or at least that is the hope, right? But as we all know by now, Growth doesn't stop once we stop growing up, especially when it comes to the ways of the heart and mind. There are endless ways we can keep learning and growing. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, I know this already, but in just this sentiment, you are demonstrating what's known in academic circles as having a fixed mindset which is the belief that talents and skills are innate and that no amount of learning can change that. Now, it's difficult for some people to understand why change leads to growth because it's easier and often safer to stick with what's known, right? After all, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
But what we forget is that it's often the new discoveries and developing a sense of self that will equip us on our journey toward a closer relationship with God. You might also be thinking, hey, I'm flexible and open-minded to try new things, but how do you respond to feedback and criticism or when you compare yourself to others or if you outright fail? Do you get insecure, defensive perhaps, or maybe dejected and feel like you can't do anything right? What we need to work toward is a growth mindset where you see challenges as ways to improve and grow rather than as setbacks. Now, if you're being honest with yourself, you're usually the biggest obstacle to your own growth. Your self-limiting beliefs about what you're capable of just gets in your own way. But as if that's not enough to dampen our growth trajectory, we tend to filter our self-perceptions through the lenses of others. That is, we care too much about what other people think. You know, like Jesus, we're going to face defining moments in our lives that surpass or go against others' expectations. And through that, we will grow in unexpected ways, or at least that is the hope. And some people might not be okay with that, but someone else's discomfort shouldn't discourage your own growth. Now, there were big promises written about Jesus long before he was born. The prophet Isaiah heard many things about a future Savior, and he wrote them down. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse one, verses 1 through 4, we get this description. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Then in verses 6 and 7, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. In order for Jesus to grow into this kind of leader and savior meant he was going to make waves and make people feel rather uncomfortable. First, it was his community at the festival of the Passover, then his parents. After that, he frequently had opposing views from religious leaders, friends, rich rulers, and many other people in his community. The expectation of the coming savior was someone powerful and prestigious, someone who would overthrow the current political regime and place descendants of Israel in positions of prominence. Instead, they were met with a most humble man who would bring about justice in a new way. His way was unconventional, unexpected, and definitely made others uncomfortable. It was certainly good news for some, but very uncomfortable news for others. When God promised that the Savior would open the eyes of the blind, it was good news for those who wanted to see. When God promised to free captives from prison, 
it was good news for those who longed for literal freedom. But anyone taking advantage of the blind or those profiting from the free labor of prisoners would have wanted Jesus's current messengers to quiet down. Jesus's fulfillment of these promises meant certain growth for some and sometimes discomfort or rejection from others. Growing in wisdom and stature as Jesus did requires us to be part of the way God wants to bring change to our world. This might bring discouragement from others who are benefiting from the status quo. And although some may not embrace this change, we have the opportunity to experience growth no matter what others might expect. Growth isn't always about getting a little better at what we're already doing. Sometimes it's about challenging the way things have always been and choosing a more intentional path. And it's understandable to hesitate when your usual comfort levels are challenged, but this is a challenge that we can take. So as you begin this new year, remind yourself, no, challenge yourself to grow in some way especially in the matters of your faith journey with God. What's a practice or habit you can start initiating to that end? Maybe it's writing down the questions you have as you study and hear scripture. Maybe it's becoming a part of a community that embraces you and walks alongside you as you figure things out. Maybe it's choosing to spend more time talking to God on behalf of yourself and others. Whatever it is, the best way to sustain a habit is to first start it. Let the people around you see how much you treasure being in communion with God as Jesus was willing to ditch his family to do at the tender age of 12. And no matter who tries to discourage you along the way, even if it's yourself at times, may you continue to grow in wisdom and in stature. And in the words of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, May you grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one whose growth mindset we could all afford to imitate. Let's pray. God, even though we're all grown up, we confess there is still so much growing left to do. Forgive us for our pride in thinking we already know everything and then closing ourselves off from the possibility of learning more. Ignite in us deeply a real desire to know you more and may that not just be an intellectual quest for knowledge, but may it translate into the way we live so that others may see you through us. It may definitely make some uncomfortable and maybe even angry that we would champion such a humble savior, but give us the courage, humility, and curiosity to keep growing in you. In Jesus' name, amen.